What's up, fight fans? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast latest and the greatest in the sport of mixed martial arts. It is Friday, October 12, 2018. I'm Gabriel. You can find me on social media at double G on TV. And I am joined by my amazing co-host, Kayla. It is TGIF. How are you? TGIF is right. We have a stacked weekend of fights. I'm good, G. Hey, MMA fans. I'm Kayla Baby. You can find me at fangirl underscore MMA on Instagram and Twitter and on Facebook at fangirl MMA. G, what's up? We have a lot to talk about. Well, what I like is that uh, as we just talked right before we got on the show, we're already on the same frequency, which I think is very important because we have a stacked super show. So I'm not even going to mince words about it, Kayla. Let's get right into it. This is our first show since the mega event at UFC 229. After we recap the fights, I'd love to get your thoughts on just being there and everything from your perspective. But the main story... So, Kayla, I'm going to break down the fight because I think that's important. And then, of course, we're going to say what we need to about the the (laughs) aftermath. Um, Kayla, the fight between Conor McGregor and Habib Nurmagomedov, what impressed me the most was that Habib had plenty of time where he was on the feet with Conor and really avoided taking a lot of damage. Mm -hmm. And I think that was the key. Habib was able to defend himself and hold his own on the feet. The same cannot be said for Connor on the ground. The first round for me, I think Connor did a good job keeping his back against the fence because it kind of stifled Habib. Habib couldn't let him go and because then Connor could pop right back up against the fence. So that first round, if it wasn't, you know, the names involved, I probably would say that was a very boring start to the fight. But that was just strategy. Habib, though, in the second round and then, of course, in the fourth round, really was able to break down Connor. He Connor just had no answer on the mat. The big moment, I'm sure you probably jumped out of your seat like I was, that big punch from Habib in the second round. I think really that was that was kind of like where the momentum really just got away from Connor and yeah, dominant finish, but what are your thoughts on the fight? Yeah, I mean, he brought up those uh, big key points. I think Connor definitely did his homework. You could see th- that they drilled a lot to prepare for, you know, the wrestling and grappling of Dom. And I was actually pretty impressed with Connor in the first round. I know a lot of people say, hey, watch it back. Connor just didn't seem like himself. I think that, you know, Habib's strength and dominance on the ground is just something that really does shock people because they watch it and they think that they can prepare for it, but it's just on another level. And I think that, you know, going into that second round, of course, him and his team realized, all right, we got to keep this on the feet. But just like you said, the momentum shifted when Habib was able to land that big shot and, um, you know, really rock him. And I think that's kind of where if there, Connor wasn't himself, it was probably just he wasn't expecting that either. Um, I do really like. Like, okay, I have a few feelings on this rematch, and I want to discuss it again once we talk about the aftermath of the fight. But if we're just talking about a rematch just because of what we saw in the cage when they actually were supposed to be fighting, 
Um, I, I love that as soon as Connor tapped, he had a look on his face like, all right, I know what I need to work on and I want to get this rematch now. That's one thing that I really love about Connor the most is he makes those improvements because he just can't stand when someone, you know, is able to dominate him and he's not able to figure them out. So I want the rematch eventually for that reason. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I get that. I I wouldn't want to see it immediately. I think it's um if it's going to happen it's got to be down the line, but um for sure. Yeah, th- there is plenty of reason why there is a, you know, it is a big seller and it's because of what happened right after. So Kayla just I did a lot of messing around with it trying to get an original take on it. I timed it from the moment Connor taps and Herb Dean stops it to the moment when everyone gets isolated. It is one full minute of chaos in that cage between jumping and everyone involved. So real quick. So it was a five round fight. It was, they went oh, the sorry. Full... I, told, I saw your joke. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Oh, ha, ha, ha. No, it's good to have you back, Kayla. But so to recap, the major players involved Dylan Donis, who Habib jumped the cage and went after. The guy that Connor threw the first punch against when they're both on top of the cage is, if I'm not mistaken, it is Habib's cousin, um, who I believe was in the corner. And then two other UFC fighters who you probably have never heard of until Saturday night Islam Makachev and Zubaira Tukagov. Kayla, I'm going to be honest. I heard conflicting things which one was the guy in the black shirt versus the red shirt the most important thing is that both of them tried to blindside connor they invaded the cage and physically went after him so i don't think it really matters who was which one in particular anymore after everything that's happened but look it is unlike anything else for such a major event what were your thoughts watching it unfold Yeah, you know, I've kind of felt, especially when you're asking me, like, you know, what it was like to be there. This was the my first UFC event, you know, the biggest fight card of the year or possibly ever. And since I landed and to on Tuesday, it just kind of felt like the UFC really didn't have control. And, you know, I think the way that the fight the whole did it was actually really disappointing because obviously this is probably this is the worst thing that's ever happened um as far as fighting outside of the cage in a UFC event you know I think um I don't know I it was disappointing that Habib felt like he needed to do all of that after winning but I also kind of understand where he's coming from I do think it's wrong um that the trash talking had to go to that extreme and that level I had um, a fellow MMA fan respond on a social media post and he mentioned some boxers that are are about to fight. And he's like, how come they're able to sell their fight and not have to attack family or religion or the country? Um, I just think that there's, it's shifted and like something shifted in MMA where either the fans are wanting this or just the fighters feel, you know, enjoy going there and and going for those lower if it's going to end up to the point where you've offended someone so badly that they're going to risk their title, um, risk the safety of other people, then I just, I don't know. It's making me just um, 
not want to support the sport as much. For myself, I, I tried to, you know, what what is why is Habib suspended? Why did he feel the need to do this? Because the thing that stood out to me was all week, all leading up to it, he had this idea of the moral high ground. He didn't throw the dolly at the bus. That was Connor. He didn't take low blows. That was Connor in the press conference. He showed up on time on Thursday. Connor was late. All, all this stuff to say that, you know, Connor's the one who's out of line. I'm just, you know, I'm not a talker. I'm just going to go and beat him up. He gets the victory, Kayla. He got, you know, the fine, the person who wins the argument is the guy who wins the fight, no matter what was said leading up to it. Because at the end of the day, when you finally got to put hands on each other, Connor lost. And then all of that right out the window. And uh, I'll say it. I feel like he stooped to Connor's level. Now, I, I've heard DC. I've heard everyone talk about it. It's culture. It's brotherhood. Um, Connor did go. He, he really crossed the line. That's not unheard of for Connor McGregor. But that does not change the fact that, you know, it, he really went there. And when you think about it, I mean, the de- you know, he hurt Michael Chiesa. Michael Chiesa couldn't fight. Ray Borg couldn't fight. Rose Namajunas has been saying that she's struggling with it. These are reprehensible things. And Habib, you know, like, look, when you've had all this happen, I understand that there's a reaction. My thing about it, though, was that he, I guess, like, look, you made your point. I think he took it too far. Now, look, once again, the culture thing, I understand, and I'm not surprised that after all this chaos that somebody finally snapped and went crazy in response to Connor crossing the line so many times. But like you said, it really was a bad look because I expected better from Habib. Like, Habib, you, like, it was mission accomplished. You beat down Connor McGregor badly without having to stoop to his level. Why did you have to go there? So that was how I And felt. I think that that's, I think that, yeah, that, I mean, you would hope that most day just be happy with the win, like you said, and, and, and take the higher ground. But I think one thing we also have to um, bring up, because I haven't really heard anyone talk about this. Do we know if things were being said all of those rounds from Connor's corner? I mean, it's, it's a known thing when I talk to coaches, how they talk a lot of shit just to kind of mess with the, the opponent. Were things being said the entire time, building that anger, building him up? What actually was said by Dylan Dennis off camera? You know, we don't know what fired him up in that moment. Had they been maybe not talking shit and not saying stuff, you know, then you're kind of wondering, okay, yeah, why did he have this look in his eye? But I feel like what made me fearful actually of being there on site was at when they were trying to calm Habib down, he looked like a bull that had seen red. It looked like no one could talk to him. And I just feel like either it was bottled up from the, the of taking the higher and not um, engaging with it, or something was said on actual fight night that really finally set him off. So I think we have to, you know, ask those questions too. What was being said the whole time during the fight and what was said by Dylan Danisak? Yeah, when I've tried uh, look, there everyone and um, you know not just MMA media, every media outlet, everyone with a blog or something has 
had something to say, which I get. It was a big event. It was a crazy one. So it's hard to filter through everything. I have heard that Dylan was continuing his verbal assault, and um, which is not, you know, unexpected or unheard of. Of course, they were always going to try to keep messing with Habib. And we know that Dylan, you know, quite frankly, he's got a reputation for being a bad boy in jujitsu and MMA. And I'm sure that everyone was on the same page for Team Connor that, hey, we're going to say something. We we can get to him. We could get in his head and make him act out of uh, character and possibly affect him in the fight. Um, I think at the end of the day, you know, they were talking about, well, Connor threw the first punch or this or that. And it's like, you know, Connor threw the dolly first, too. But then Habib and Artem, and it's like, you know what? I don't, you know, I listened to Dana White and I was looking at it. And Kayla, this is the fight business. It's not throwing a ball for points or what have you. You're talking about physical combat. The point of the game is to do physical damage to another individual. Having a mental edge, even if it sometimes means saying some stuff, is not going to be it's not ever going to go away because of how the nature the violence of the sport. Now, that's not to say that it is all right. That's not to say I like it. But I think one thing that the UFC, if they can't ever completely stop guys from saying something to get a mental edge, I think that this will have them reevaluate the behavior of their fighters. Connor has jumped out of the cage and done some crazy stuff. He's also not the first fighter to ever let his emotions get the better of him and start doing some stuff inside the cage after a fight or leading up to it either. That being said, I feel like the reason that this really happened was because they've seen Connor get away with so much stuff that people feel like, you know what? I feel like doing some crazy too. If you knew that you were going to lose all your income and all your money because you did some crazy, like jump out of the cage and start something, I guarantee you, that wouldn't cross your mind. You're not going to do something stupid like that. I do feel at the but end of the day, Connor might have like... felt like he could get away. Or sorry, Habib felt like he might have been able to get away with it. I don't think, well, one, that could be, yeah, it, that definitely could have ran through his mind as he thought, hey, there's no rules here. He gets away with everything, so they're not going to do, you know, I'm not going to be punished for this. I don't think that was the case. It did seem like he was running off more emotion. And Honestly, the way he's saying that if his um, teammates are cut from the UFC, that he'll just they'll lose him too. It seems like he doesn't really care about whether or not he'd be punished. He's trying to make a statement and think. Unfortunately, this is going to have to be used as an ex- to make an example. I think when Paul Daly sucker punched Josh Koscheck, Dana White had to make him an example and you know ban him from the UFC. Then people are going to start acting like it's the wild, wild west and think they can do anything too. Now it's gone to an even more extreme because they've let Connor get away with stuff just because he's the, obviously that guy bringing in money. But like you're saying, these other fighters now are going to say, hey, if Habib wasn't punished for this, if Connor wasn't, you know, really punished for the dolly um, and still able to come back and get an immediate title shot where, um, you know, we can do whatever we want. And, and they're all going to start making examples of it. I mean, we, I saw it. Tony Ferguson was speaking out kind of like he never has. Um, you see fighters on Twitter. 
with feelings and saying how they kind of want to start banding together to stand their ground of, of better treatment. Um, it, it, like I said, it feels like they've lost control. Uh, I would agree. And I think that, um, I think too, well, sorry, one last point I want to make is I think that, um, with these new owners, some of the fighters just either don't feel respect. They don't have respect for the new owners or maybe because they haven't established a good relationship. It just kind of seems like they, they aren't happy with their employer. I'm going to hold on to that one for another uh, segment in this episode that we're doing in today's show. But I I do agree. And I think there's a disconnect. And I think it goes back to business practice. And let's say like it is UFC, even though it's also MMA, is different business from Bellator, PFL, any of the other companies because of the scope of it. I always say it's like comparing Starbucks to your mom and pop coffee shop down the street it may still be serving coffee at 8 a.m but it's a completely different ball game and there are different rules applied um to finish off the connor habib thing um to talk about a lot of this stuff going on is habib gonna be stripped is he you know suspended um i don't know about it put it this way if connor fought what is it six months after the dolly incident i don't believe that we're going to see any longer of a punishment for Beeb under these circumstances or Connor. I know that they technically they're both suspended and they're having a hearing later this month in Nevada. So they will address that, I'm sure. But um, I just don't see a long punishment. Connor, look, they're not stripping Habib of the lightweight title. I think that's all just nonsense that was said in the moment. Um. I, now, in terms of, I think the big one, Habib saying he's not going to fight or he's going to quit, I would remind a lot of fans who are reading into that sure. comment to remember that when these guys sign a contract, put it this way, they UFC cannot say physically throw you in the cage to fight. At the end of the day, you got to sign a contract. But you do sign to say that you, when you're fighting UFC, you are under contract. You cannot go fight somewhere else. So, yeah, Habib is saying, you know what? You cut me, too. Well, guess what? Habib's under contract saying he can't fight for somebody else. And let's say he were to follow through and be like, you know what? You cut him. I'm never fighting for UFC again. I promise you, UFC will bleed him out for every single penny before he's ever able to get out of that contract to go compete somewhere else and make profit. Or, you know, possibly, like, he may not even get to fight for a few years because UFC is like, look, we're not even going to grant you the condition to fight again and terminate your contract until it's been five or six years. Because how does it look that we just let our big lightweight champion who defeated our biggest star go fight with his cousin at PFL or Bellator? So I think fans need to remember that there's a lot of paperwork and a lot of rules. A fighter can't just say, I'm out. I'm done with UFC after winning this one. I mean, it might not be that he wants to fight anywhere else. I've um, heard from a couple of people that he's talked about retiring. Yeah. But um, I think that I think that what I got from him when he talked to us in the press room after everything that had happened is it really feels like he's someone that started fighting because of more of the, like more of the values and morals within martial arts and the respect that's 
kind of fighting for the, you know, skill versus skill. I don't think he really got into martial arts or found a passion for it for the entertainment side. We've seen him in press conferences. He doesn't, you know, he just doesn't seem like he is someone who really enjoys or cares to, I guess, like put on a show, put on. Yeah. To, to play that part of, of the champion. Now it's kind of hard because, you know, there is an entertainment aspect to it, but I, I understand where he's coming from of like, that's why he, that isn't why he originally got into the sport. And that's, you know, with uh, quite a few things in entertainment, some people do go into it just for the fame. Some people go into it because they kind of like the fame and also the skill side of it um, and challenge and, you know, um, but I, I, yeah, I just think that he seems like if this is what the game he has to play, I don't know if he's, you know, really um, still in it, if his heart, if his heart's still in it. And I don't think you can really shame the man for that. I, I think the thing for me is um, you you know, you get done like this, like, is Habib really about to walk away from everything when, you know, on track to be, you know, we're talking about maybe one of the best lightweights we've ever seen. If hypothetically, let's say he were to sweep that division, he's beaten Connor. Let's say he were to beat Tony Ferguson, Kevin Lee, Poirier. You're talking about probably one of the all-time great mixed martial artists is if he's actually able to terminate that murderer's row right now when he's at the top of his career. That that to me is like, man, would he really do it? And I don't know. I mean, it, here's the thing. We can't even say he's gotten paid. Nevada is still withholding his money. So I think that's all going to remain to be seen. Now, look, he is standing by his comments, so I will leave it at this, that nothing would surprise me. if, For whatever reason, if we were not to see Habib for a long time, because of all this, the way he's talking, the way he's acting, it would not surprise me. That's how crazy this was on Monday night. And, um, yeah. Do you have anything big to add to it? Because, obviously, we had a lot of other fights that are, you know, we're not going to be mentioning too much Conor Habib for this. No, I think that, um, yeah, we'll just wait and see what happens. And I think we should talk more about murders that you're discussing in Murderer's Row. Gotcha. But yeah, look, uh, I mean, I'll say it like it is crazy stuff that uh, here's one. Remember how we said in April after the Brooklyn incident with Tony's out, Max Holloway's in, Max is out, Ayakinta's in. Uh, the Dolly incident with Connor. I said that was the craziest fight week, and it would be hard to top. You were there, or how do you feel, Kayla? Do you think that this one was bigger than that fight week? I mean, I don't really have anything to base off of since it was my first UFC event, but yeah, you could feel the energy of the city really getting behind that it's, you know, a big fight. The fans were there. I think I really felt it in the um, ceremonial way. I think, I think for me, um, uh, I just uh, like yes, everybody was talking about the Connor and the Dolly thing, but I feel like there's just even more people who wanted to weigh in on now Habib and everything because there was actually a fight attached to it. So I would say that this might be a little bit bigger than all the craziness in Brooklyn now that it's been a few days and we've had time to, you know, process it and digest everything that's happened and been said. So. 
Yeah, it certainly was a standout week for the UFC, um, not for the best reasons. But like you said, there were a lot of other fights. This one, I said it was going to be the best fight of the night, and I think it delivered. Tony Ferguson versus Anthony Pettis. Kayla, Anthony fought well. He just did not have an answer for the relentless pressure of Tony. Tony took his best shots and just kept walking him down. And I think he was just able to accumulate the damage in those first 10 minutes. What were your thoughts on the fight? You know, it's always hard when a fighter has a ser- like breaks a hand or breaks something serious in the fight because then I don't think we can really talk about oh, this person just dominated. Like, yes, I do think that Tony performed super, like, really well, and especially after coming after that, you know, hurt um, knee. But I just think when you're talking about, oh, Anthony didn't have any answers for his relentless pressure, well, he also broke his hand and pretty early in the fight. So it's kind of hard for me to break it down because I, I wonder how it would have played out. And that's why I want this rematch too, because both guys were giving us fight of the night. I mean, not only did it get bloody, not only were they going for it with some showy fun stuff, enjoying that each other were in it and will and this a fun fight. And then you had the moments of, you know, Tony's knee and leg being attacked and him dropping and thinking, Oh shit, did he come back too soon? But then he's able to, then he's, you know, fighting out of that with uh, different roles and, and trying to take the fight to the ground. Um, I loved when Anthony Pettis, you know, got his top position and just was bleeding all over Tony and, you know, starts screaming in the air. I mean, both guys just really, really gave us a fight. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's hard to break it down because I wonder if the broken hand is why he Anthony Pettis started slowing down or if it was because Tony was just turning it up and putting that pressure on. But yeah, I'm, I'm so happy because I don't know if you remember G I did predict a draw and I have to tell you that that is not a draw Kayla. Don't lie to everyone. It isn't isn't a draw. (laughs) It isn't a draw, but it is pretty close to a draw because it's not like one guy dominated the other one guy just, and I, I like actually that um, Anthony's coaches and corner pulled him out because I think we've discussed how it's just been being discussed in general, how maybe more coaches need to step in. And I think that, yeah, some people want to say, Oh, well I would have, you know, continued the fight with a broken hand or even Nick Newell said, I always fight with one hand or one arm. <laughs> This was such an important fight for Anthony because we know what's going on with the politics of MMA. And we know that if he took a loss, all of a sudden his title shot would have been, you know, taken away from him. And I think that that was super strategically smart for them to pull him out of this fight because now we don't have people saying, oh, forget about Anthony Pettis. We have people saying, okay, we want to see him back and we want to see this fight played back. It, it, it to me was a smart move instead of letting him lose with that damage. I think it was better to have him pulled out just because of where he's at in the division right now. But yeah, I mean, it was everything that I wanted from it. I didn't really want either guy to lose. So I feel like a um, way of either mainly I get like, yes, he lost, but he lost because of a, a technical thing, you know? 
Kayla, can I ask you? And I know that, you know, <laughs> you wanted, you, you didn't want to be rude because, you know, you might interview either man. Did you really think it was going to be a draw? Or did, was there somebody you thought would really win, Kayla? Just the fight's over. They've gone home. Nobody's. Okay. Well, now, yeah, now that I'm not in Vegas but with them, um, I did think that Anthony was going to attack that knee. And I don't know. I just, just because of how most people operate, coming back only five months after a serious injury like that, I would have favored Anthony slightly just because of that. Um, but that just goes to show you Tony Ferguson is a unique human being because he was able to take some of those pretty heavy kicks and, and you know, fight back with, against it. So Tony Ferguson has the most, win- the longest winning streak in the division. Give him a title shot already. I know that him and Habib are cursed. But he deserves a title shot, whether it's against Connor while Habib's suspended, um, with me for the you know interim belt, or hopefully you know a what fifth or sixth attempt with Habib actually happens. This would be number five that they're trying to make happen. But yes, Jeez. finally, Kayla's saying it like it is. I've been waiting all week. <laughs> um, Kayla, I'm, I'm gonna do something to you. I'm going to be a little petty and say, I said Tony would win, and he pulled through for me. Thank you. <laughs> um, you know what? Look, I, I like Pettis, and I think, um, did he say his hand was broken early? Because I thought he broke it in the second, after he'd already lost that first round. I read something on Monday that it was early in the round, but I don't know. You'd have, definitely have to look at look it up. I, Let me see if I can Google it real fast. Go ahead. I, I understand where you're coming from, but if I'm going to be honest, he had... Two direct hits, knocked down on Tony, and Tony still got back up. And I actually thought, even though he got knocked down and hurt early, and he was on bottom, Tony, I actually was giving him the second round because I felt like he actually came back and did more damage. And that is saying something because Pettis had him hurt. So for me, I was like, you know what? Was the broken hand a big thing? Yes, but I also feel it was kind of like Uriah Faber, Mike Brown, too that, yes, Uriah broke the hands early, but it really didn't start to take effect until a lot later in the fight. I think Pettis, if I'm breaking it down, I think Pettis felt compromised. I think that Duke Rufus saw, you know what? We just hit this guy, Tony Ferguson. We attacked the knee. He's still coming forward. We put him down. He's still coming forward. He's bloody. My boy is bloody. Um, You know what? Uh, this, you know, this is again a little too dangerous. And now Anthony doesn't have, you know, an important weapon. He's not going to catch Tony Ferguson with Caporea. Those are low statistically shots to land. So I feel like Duke Rufus weighed his option, weighed his options, and was like, you know what? We've already taken a lot of damage. This guy, my fighter is compromised. <laughs> Cut our losses and just live to fight another day. I was okay with it. I think Anthony was okay with it and realizing, you know what? I'm I'm already badly hurt and with one hand less, I do not feel, you know, it would be safe for me to go out there and try to compete with this guy who's just fighting like a bat out of hell. So I was okay with the move. 
I like that he stood by his coach and the coach you know has his best interest. I'm okay with it. I want to see Anthony Pettis back. I know about a rematch because I think that Tony Ferguson has bigger fish to fry, but I was good with the stoppage and I was impressed like you. Tony took some good kicks to the knee well. He took some good shots well. His cardio looked good. Um, Kayla, I'll say this. He reminds me of like a Russell Westbrook with his athleticism. What I mean by that is for fans of the NBA, they remember Derrick Rose. He was rookie of the year. People were saying he might, People you know, surpass LeBron James. And he ripped his knee. Um, wasn't the same player. Russell Westbrook, another guy, great athletic player, same injury, comes back six months later and is just throwing it down with more devastation than ever before. Sometimes physically, these guys just, you know, in their body, in their bones, muscles, tissue, is just a little different, even though everybody works out hard. And I think that's Tony Ferguson. We did not expect him to look that good coming off an injury like the one he had. The mind is powerful. I mean, it was it was just a lot. It was crazy. I was that was an edge of my seat. I almost forgot to take notes, almost. <laughs> but um, look, a, a lot of fun. I'm excited to see both of them back. Um, let's say like it is, Kayla. Obviously, the future is gonna be a little determined by what exactly happens with Connor and Habib. From what, in my heart, I don't think that Habib is gonna actually be out a long time. I wouldn't even be surprised if UFC does be, just for the hell of it to make the Moncton event a big deal later this month. They'd still keep Zubaira to fight Artem Lobov, which I can't believe I'm saying I'm actually excited to see an Artem Lobov fight. But I feel like that's going to happen. They're going to figure it out. And I do believe that Tony will get that fifth fight with Habib before June of next year. That is what I think should happen and will happen. You know, MMA gods, you got your sacrifice, which we'll talk about in the MMA news. They took a big fight away from us. So they have their sacrifice now. There's no reason why they should be angry and take uh, Tony versus Habib number five away. What about you? I mean, the thing is, Connor was dominantly finished and beaten. So an immediate rematch makes no sense. So I think any fans that are rooting for that they are just fans of like the entertainment side, the show of it. They are natural fans of the sport. Tony deserves a title shot. I agree. I don't think that Habib's going to be stripped. If he is suspended, it'll be a light suspension. Maybe the fight won't be in Las Vegas, um, <laughs> but I hope it's in LA. Oh, and, uh... yes. I like where you're headed at. <laughs> um, but yeah. I mean, they have to. They have to. Uh, the way that Tony came back and performed, um, you know, give show the man some respect that he hasn't been receiving. Another thing that, you know, was disrespectful was the lack of payment he received, um, uh, you know, and you can look into their salaries that they were supposed to be paid. Um, but, yeah, he's, the, he's just a little shot. They need to play it back. Or not play it back, but play the attempt back but you know they finally need to get this one done i hope it's a worth the wait kind of deal just at the end of it when they finally fought it was just uh as epic as you want it to be but um 
Uh, I'll say this. I do feel respectfully to Connor because I, you know, I know everyone talks about how much he talks. He is a very special mixed martial artist. You don't beat Jose Aldo, Eddie Alvarez, Dustin Poirier um, without uh, having some really significant skills. But I do sincerely believe that, you know, it was always Tony versus Habib. Who's actually skill for skill, tit for tat, the best lightweight in the world. That's why I feel like this one needs to happen for sure. Um, yeah, we'll find out. Obviously, we'll be revisiting all of it, you know, as more news comes out. How long, if we do find out how long they'll be away. But we know one guy who already didn't, doesn't have to wait for anybody. He's already getting back in the cage. And it's because of Saturday's fight. Derek Lewis versus Alexander Volkov. And this one will go right into our MMA news, guys. But Kayla, Volkov was performing as well as I thought he would be. If anything, I was actually a little impressed that he hurt Lewis so often early. But mm-hmm. man, he just seemed like he felt safe defending Lewis in close range and blocking and parrying shots. And that was just a bad idea. I was surprised that he didn't, you know, just try to run away, not run away, but, you know, not engage for those final 10 seconds because it cost him Derek Lewis with the emphatic knockout and more crazy post-fight interview over Volkov. What were your thoughts on everything? Yeah, I agree. I think that, you know, he figured, okay, well, Derek is known for getting, you know, the earlier stoppages and have that and has that power um, earlier in the rounds. And clearly he was tiring out, but he has that knockout power apparently until the last uh, 15 minutes, maybe not 25. We shall see. (laughs) But um, but yeah, I mean, what an exciting fight, because I think both men had some some pretty great moments. Um, they were definitely looking to finish each other and bang it out. Um, and then I don't know, I remember getting up G to actually <laughs> to go over to the crafty section. Cause I was like, okay, you know, this is the last, this, like, this is a wrap. And I'm kind of going down the aisle and I go to look at the screen one more time. And I just had a feeling. I said, holy crap. It looks like Derek's about to go for one. Hell Ma- What is it called? Hell Mary. Hail Mary, yeah. Hail Mary. <laughs> Sorry, I only watch MMA. <laughs> and As it should I be. saw it. I could just tell in his body language that he was going to finish the fight. And so I remember uh, stopping in my tracks. And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, he finishes that fight in the last, yeah, like 20, 10 seconds. Uh, 11 10, seconds. It was 11, yeah. So yeah. it really exciting fight. Now, if we're going to discuss his post-fight interview, I have to say, I know people find it very entertaining, but I actually think, like, I, I don't know. I To me, it isn't funny talking about your bowel movements, um, you know, body parts being sweaty. I think it makes him sound like a simpleton. Or I think about, I remember when my grandpa was sick and in, um, you know, hospice, and you're a people senile losing it and some of the first things they do is they take off their pants their clothing items and they're walking around in their underwear or naked and then when the nurses are going over and saying what's wrong they're either talking about how they have to take a dump or talking about how their balls are hot 
I mean, he sounds like a man with all, you know, early Alzheimer's or something. <laughs> I don't think it's funny. I think he sounds ridiculous. Yeah, you know, uh, he reminds me of the class clowns I remember in high school who would just say whatever stupid thing that would make the teacher react and stop talking to us about history or math or other things we didn't care about. <laughs> um, Derek, do I think he's a, a you know, stupid that that's all he talks about? No, I do believe it's a persona. Uh, that being said, I, there's some things where I, I'm not necessarily laughing. I'm just, I'm not laughing at the comment. I'm laughing at the fact that he's actually saying this on TV. Like, are you serious, dude? Um, and I think maybe that's it because I agree with you. I like, I don't need to know what's going on with your body, Derek. Um, some of the other ones are funnier, like where he took the body kick from Travis Brown and he was like, oh man, well, I just felt like I had to take a number two. That was like, oh my God, man. Like, that, but that one made me laugh. This one though, with the pants, I was just like, are you kidding me? Um, but that this is a weird dude and you are watching him be a weird dude. I think that's where the quote unquote entertainment value came from for me. So I want to try to specify what I mean when I talk about it. But look, he is candid. He is different. And that is a very hard thing to do where it's a sport where everyone wears the same uniform. They, you know, aren't allowed to really be personalize themselves inside the cage so he stands out and I think that is a very look it is very genuine it is not manufactured by UFC at all it is just who this guy is when you put a microphone in front of him and that's saying something in our sport I, I will give him that now um, look UFC 229 crazy we could talk a lot about it Aspen Ladd over Tanya Evinger was impressive those are good fights on the prelims. Um, Dominic Reyes' OSP was a great performance. So a lot of fun stuff. But Derek Lewis steals the show in a way. And he gets to... Now Now we're moving on because the breaking story. Daniel Cormier will be defending his heavyweight title. Kayla, I want to say... It's a little less than a month against Derek now. Um... Kayla, DC said that he, he still can't make a closed fist. Derek Lewis said he broke his hand warming up for Volkov backstage, and he obviously complained about his cardio. But we're getting this fight. Um, I think the big thing to point out um, before we talk about why and how, DC says that he is making double for this fight than he did to fight Stipe to become a double champion in July. I, I don't know if I said this on the air or just with you off, you know, just between us. But I said what they're going to do for Madison Square Garden, they need a main event. They're going to kick somebody a lot of money to take a fight short notice. One of their stars, they're yeah. going to just pay them to just take a lot of, you know. Yeah, they're scrambling. Yeah, we're like, dude, I know that it's a bad circumstance. We're going to pay you extra because otherwise this event is going to bomb. And, Save our asses. Yep. And here we are also, and we'll talk about it in a minute, but UFC knew that Dustin Poirier was out of the fight with Nate Diaz. They knew what people were going to say if it was just Valentina versus Sarge and no Diaz on that card. They knew what they were doing when they announced DC Derek, and then a few hours later, Dustin Poirier was out. But Kayla, I mean, DC, 
he could be fighting Jones, Gustafsson, Brock Lesnar. What do you think about him risking all of this by fighting Derek, regardless of how much money he's making? I really don't like it just because of what you had said. He says that he's not even fully healed. And I think for someone that has a really impressive record and just beat Stipe to become, you know, in the heavier classes, the first two division champ, why would you risk your legacy just for a good paycheck? I don't know. Maybe he really has never gotten paid like he wants to. And maybe that amount that they threw at him is just, you know, unbelievable. Or maybe he feels like this is adding to his legacy where he's helping out a company that has given him some great opportunities with the commentating, the desk jobs. He might just really be doing it because he's a nice guy to help save their asses because that's what it is. But again, I feel like Derek Lewis, I mean, I think he actually said this in his, in his uh, post-fight interview, or maybe it was off camera. He doesn't want to or thinks he's ready to fight for the title. He has issues. He knows his back was, you know, hurt. I, it's hard for me to get behind someone that hasn't these injuries that pop up so much that have affected his performance. And then to think that he's going to be the champ. No, I just feel like the timing of it sounds terrible for both guys, but I understand that they just had to save this event. Again, I feel like the UFC has lost control. You know, for a reason fans didn't want to get behind Valentina and Sarge and, um, you know, because of the fans and, and like you said, the fear of the, of people not tuning in because we lost the Dustin Poirier and Nate Diaz fight, you know, the fans kind of won the battle here complaining so much to where they scrambled things around to where they didn't even keep that fight on the card and took the, you know, kind of dangled the cookie in front of Sarge's face and then said, oops, never mind, Joanna gets it instead. Um, I don't know. It's It's stuff like that, but I just feel like it sounds like the company is kind of just doing what's best for them. And I realize it's a business, but then you also are affecting people's lives and pissing the fighters off and treating them kind of terribly because all you're seeing is what's going to, you know, get our views, what's going to bring us in money instead of kind of balancing out fighter treatment too. So I just think, and then again, balancing out fighter treatment where you're, you're risking two athletes that aren't even healthy to fight. I, I just, it just seems like such a mess to me, but I understand it, I guess, business wise. To me, uh, I, I try to think of, I try to think like UFC, you pay Madison square garden to give you the venue for a Saturday night in the winter or, you know, late fall uh, in November. Um, you have, a pay-per-view that you are committing to. You need to make so-and-so amount of money so you do not lose money by going to Madison Square Garden. Um, that means you have to make a few things happen, plain and simple. Yeah, I I'm listening to you. It's a bad idea. Derek, I, I was saying this. I like Derek as a fighter. He is an exciting fighter at the end of the day. But every fight week, I, I, I was saying, you almost need a lie to Derek and tell him the fight is one week later. Because I feel like so often he's saying, I felt good, but then I got to fight week, my back was hurting me. And it's like, man, you say that a little too often for me to have a lot of confidence, if I'm being honest. Now, I want to give him credit. 
it looked like he had slimmed down a little bit for this fight with Volkov. And, you know, he got through fight week. He fought very well. He, he hung in there tough. I want to give him his credit. That being said, you're talking about he's about to do this again in a month. Yeah. Oh, you're, you're, you're pushing the line. And... Go ahead. No, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, for DC, the only thing I can imagine, because he's saying I'm about to make bank against Jones if he wins. I just got to wait for Brock and I'll make bank there. Why would I fight Derek Lewis? I would imagine that they went to the manager and DC was like, you know what? I am not getting in there with Derek Lewis. You tell them if you're going to have me fight Derek, you better add, you know, this many zeros. I'm assuming that once they knew that Nate Diaz wasn't going to be on Madison Square Garden, his manager called and said, DC, they gave us that many zeros. He was probably like, (laughs) You know what? Fuck it. I'm fighting Derek Lewis on Saturday at MSG. <laughs> Let's do it. You know, like, like if they paint it, all right, I'm in. You know, you give me that many zeros, I'll overlook a lot of things. That's not unheard of. So I and have to imagine is, that happening. Go ahead. I'm sure that, yeah, I think that that happened as well. And the thing is, is we saw Derek Lewis's social media. Someone went and checked the stats. His social media, his interviews got the most views. He um, His social media blew up as far as followers. He, for whatever reason, is hot right now where the fans are tuning in. But I think this also goes to show if the UFC would maybe market their female divisions a little bit better, maybe then people would back up and get behind a fight like Valentina versus Sarge or feel confident enough to have Valentina and Ioana be the main event on a big card. Bellator is able to have women, um, their women champions, main event uh, cards and sell and do very well because I think that they do better at marketing these newer divisions. And I think it's just figuring out um, how it isn't. There's still a lot of uh, equality that needs to be added to MMA with women versus men because anytime a woman's brought up oh, my period uh, has come into play with my performance. Guys are like, ew, 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 we're covering our ears. Shut her up. We don't want to hear about it. But I have to sit there and hear, listen to Derek talk about his balls, his, you know, having to take a shit. Felice Herrick actually took a shit in the octagon during a fight, and we didn't hear her discuss it in detail. So, I mean, it's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting who their stars are and who they're pushing and who they feel confident in selling a fight. So I think it comes down to, to how they're marketing the women and or just fighter, their fighters in general. Kayla, you're not wrong, but let me go on the record. I don't like hearing Derek Lewis talk about his balls are hot either. I just want to make sure you okay, good. <laughs> go on the record, make sure we're on the same page. I don't like hearing him talk <laughs> about it either. <laughs> Um, you, you are very, look, you have a point. Um, uh, I'll say it like it is, uh, like you and I watch this religiously. It's our job. It's our passion is what we do. I know what kind of fighter Sarge is. I'll be honest with you, Kayla. I wouldn't have, uh, I felt like it was going to be more of a mismatch than Valentina versus Nico because of Sarge's history, her record, her experience. Her struggles with the weight already. 
I really feel like that's the only reason why Valentina took it was probably she felt like she could take out Sarge on one month's notice, if I'm being honest. And I think a lot of the fans who would have tuned in for the pay-per-view knew that too. And I think that they were letting, uh, I think, uh, I forget the graphic, but one of the guys showed the Ticketmaster or something. There were so many available seats still for MSG. That has not happened yet. So like we said, it was a scramble. Um, look, uh, could it headline the card? Absolutely. I don't know if Valentina Sarge could by themselves, which it felt like it was going to be, could headline Madison Square Garden. I, I, I will say that even, you know, knowing both women and, you know, supporting them and being knowledgeable about them. I, I'm going to say that right now. Um, look, this fight, it's just uh, it, it's what's happened. We've said it. Every champion, you know, was either booked or hurt or just couldn't make it. Um, that this is kind of where we're left at it. In terms of the fight itself, um, DC on paper should be able to just drag Derek down and make something happen. I'm not going to lie, though, Kayla. Derek Lewis is a big dude. A big guy. He's dangerous. And he Corm- showed us. And Cormier disrespected his beloved Popeye's chicken. That You don't do that. <laughs> I've heard about this. It's like you really can't disrespect Popeyes to those who, you know, live and die They're by the fall- chicken. <laughs> so, you know, you live by the chicken, you die by the chicken. You can't disrespect Popeyes, Kayla. That's what they tell me. Um, no, in all seriousness, uh, Derek has nothing to lose, and that's a very dangerous guy. So, um, DC, I know he's getting paid for it, but. This could end badly. That's my final yeah, thought yeah. about it. I agree. Yeah, so a lot of stuff. Um, look, we'll find out. I, I hope they both make it to fight night because I think that they might change it to a Fox Sports 1 or something if something were to happen to DC or Derek. So knock on wood, MMA gods, you already took our next sacrifice into it. Dustin Poirier is out. Nate Diaz has, has said he's not going to fight a replacement guy at MSG. Kayla, I'm disappointed. This one had all the reasons why it might be as exciting, if not possibly more, than Tony versus Pettis. And look, it's tough because we know how big they're pushing it on social media. They really got fans so pumped up for this fight. And this happens. Um, Kayla, the what do you think about Nate not fighting on the card? Because you know people are offering to step up to fight him, but yeah. he's not interested. And he's been out more than two years now. Well, I think that it's just very obvious if people haven't recognized it, that he's not in it to fight for the fans. He's in it because he wants a couple more paydays. And he's in it for himself. He's not in it to help the UFC, you know, make any money. He's not even, I don't really even think he's being loyal to his fans. He sees how, how badly his fans want him to fight. And like you said, he definitely had options being thrown his way. But now that I think how he saw the Connor and Habib fight play out, he thinks he has an opportunity to, to get a shot at Habib. Maybe he was waiting to see if Connor did win. And of course, he was going to really talk up that trilogy fight to get a title shot. And that's what kind of makes me 
a little frustrated with the Diaz brothers right now is like, I get it. You've paid your dues and there's a reason why you have this star quality name you've put in the work. They've, they have given us great fights, but if you're in a place now where you're going to be kind of picky and throw little tantrums, um, you know, just because you want that respect that Connor gets or that paycheck that Connor gets, I don't like if you're not doing it for also for the fans um, and giving them these comeback fights that they want. Why am I going to get behind you and wanting you to get a title shot? Yes. Are you even going to defend the title? And you've been out for this whole time while other people like Tony Ferguson, like Dustin Poirier, like Anthony Pettis have been trying to be active fighters um, like, a you know, Kevin Lee, like there's so many names that um or like an Al Iaquinta, I'm even getting behind him too because not that he's been an active fighter or really trying to fight back to that title shot, but when an opportunity did present itself, when a lot of people said no, he stepped up and saved the day and put on a pretty good performance, you know, for being short notice. Nate Diaz isn't really giving us that. And here was his opportunity to kind of save this card and probably get a big payday if he would have asked for one to to step up and become the main event. And for some reason he's kind of being petty about stuff. So that's, what's kind of frustrating me with him. You want to know what's crazy, Kayla is had Habib not jumped out of that cage. He probably didn't take much damage. He might have fought Nate. They might've paid him a lot of money. To Diaz a month later. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> that, that, that sure as heck isn't happening now. Um, uh, percent with you uh nate um he's in it for the payday uh i I think that um look it's been two years this is kind of telling me that you're not really invested so i I, at the end of the day i would say this i want to see guys who want to be in there kevin lee wants to get after and fight the other guys tony ferguson wants to get in there and fight against the other guys etc etc the fact that um you know, we're not getting, you know, the fact that Nate just kind of wants to step out, it really, it leaves a sour taste in my mouth, if I'm being honest. And um, I don't think he should get a title shot. I think with the loss to Connor, uh, I'm not going to lie. He, he probably can parlay a third trilogy with Connor. I think it makes sense. You want to yeah. give Connor a fight. You want something that'll make a lot of money. That one will. But I don't know. It's really the only fight right now i don't really even want to see him fight a guy like kevin lee or someone else like that because i don't think that's fair to kevin because kevin's trying to get to a title shot nate is just kind of here and uh i was talking to someone else they told me nate diaz you don't sometimes he acts like he may not fight just because he was out getting ice cream that's kind of tough for nate diaz so it's rough, but um, look, that's just the situation. It sucks for Madison Square Garden because I know they were excited for this card, and a big part of it was because of Nate. Um, and th- yeah, it just seems like for whatever reason, he doesn't care about the fans. Yeah, and it's, I mean, look, that that's his prerogative. I mean, no one says you have to, you know, be the man for them if you really don't want to, but... Also, when you talk about, well, I want this or that, it's like, well, remember when you were telling us this? This is the consequence of it. So that's how. Yeah, you got to like you got to give a little if you're expecting to get. And I think he thinks, oh, well, I have gave you all these fights, you know, 
in the past and all this stuff. But like you said, there's just more active players willing to step up. And if you're not going to step up when the company needs you to, you can't expect them to throw you a title shot when you haven't fought for two years. Yeah. But no, it's, um, look, I hope that, I hope Dustin Poirier comes back soon because man, he is on a tear also. I know he's getting checked up in LA next week. So best wishes to Dustin. We know he's a warrior and he comes in and gets after it. So I do want to see him back in the lightweight picture. I think it's more fun when he's there. So I hope it's not too long for him. Kayla, this, can you believe all of this happened in 24 hours, all this news? No. A story that happened, John Jones, on the same day as we get all this. It's announced John Jones is fighting Alexander Gustafsson, the rematch, five years in the making, and it's for the light heavyweight championship. Um, yeah, there's not a lot really that needs to be said. John Jones' suspension is up at late October. He gets, you know, some time to train for Alex, who's still a top contender. DC is clearly busy with other stuff. So UFC is saying that they need to do what they got to do. And they're taking the belt and putting it on the line for this one. Look, do you, uh, we, we know what UFC business is like right now. They need that belt to make the pay-per-view bigger or what have you. How do you feel about it being for the undisputed title? I really this out because I think that Alex is the deserving man to get a, a title shot. Um, and I think that I didn't, I didn't want to see John Jones come back and immediately fight Daniel Cormier. I think because of what's happened in his career, he kind of owes us a like fight before that. Show us where you're at. Show us that you can get to fight night with no drama and, and fight the deserving guy that, I mean, I watched back their fight today was the first guy to successfully take you down and give you a run for your money before those championship rounds. Um, So wasn't that one just a ton of fun? It was super fun. It was fun rewatching it. Um, UFC 165, I believe if anyone wants to rewatch, but um, so yeah, I I like it. I think that it will want to be. And I think that um, even if, even if uh, Alex versus DC would have happened, I think because he's been out for a while, um, this fight just to me makes sense because both guys haven't been as active. I want to see where they're at and I want to see how they've evolved since the last time, not only since the last time they faced each other, but just last time we've seen them in the octagon. I agree. I mean, you got to realize this. Jones has been inactive. He only fought, uh, what was it, once in a year when he fought uh, DC last year. He had a year layoff before that. Gustafsson has been in over a year by the time this happens against Glover Tashira. They both kind of got to show me that they're still in title contention, to be honest. Um, for the belt, uh, look, uh, if you ask me, they were gonna, they're going to have to do something anyway. They can't have a year off, especially when John Jones comes back and DC is just holding the belt. I think that they really assessed everything and they're like look we would love to promote double champion Daniel Cormier versus Brock Lesnar pay-per-views that we got to sell now so look we've seen it Colby Covington they didn't care because they needed a title fight for um 228 Tyron Woodley Darren Till they 
um, with Valentina Shevchenko and this belt, like we know that titles aren't really, you know, they send the message. Business doesn't slow down even for champions. If we need a belt on the line, we're going to make this happen no matter how big of a star you are. And uh, look, that's just what it is. I do feel like they would have needed to make an interim title anyway, because if DC does retire in March, well, why didn't you let Alex just fight for an interim title already just to move things along? So I'm not, I don't have a problem with it. Um, I think, like you said, it's a rematch that I think people wanted. So it just makes sense all around at the end of the day. Um, Kayla, it's been five years since that epic fight. Um, These are not the same two guys. Jones has been through some stuff. Alexander Gustafsson has matured as a fighter. You see it being really different compared to that first time around. I do. I think that just, um, you know, that was a time when the sport was evolving and new, you know, because of John Jones and other fighters, new things were being thrown in. And um, I think the sports just evolved. So that's what's so interesting is this one's hard to predict because to see the guys compete, you know, as often as we'd like. So how have they evolved or not? I think because of the footage released from, you know, what kind of athletes the guys are, the teams that they're training with, I can't imagine that they haven't evolved with the sport. So that's why even though they have been out for a while, I'm, with them fighting for the title because I don't think that they're fighters that aren't going to be taking that seriously or haven't been preparing for their comebacks. I agree. Um, I, I can see them just being more dangerous. That being said, anything can happen. I mean, if you tell me Jones just gets him down and can really wreck him with some elbows from the top, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if Gustafsson chops away at the legs differently and then just can get that uppercut because he's got the reach that competes with Jones. Um, that's what makes yeah. this fight intriguing. Um, it could go five rounds and we get another classic. Uh, I done early too. That's what makes this one a ton of fun. So um, I think that they're going to fight a little differently, maybe a little more conservatively because there's more respect there. But I think that we're still going to get a very competitive fight, and I'm excited for it. That's what I think. And, um, yeah, uh, look, uh, I don't know if it is the headliner. I wouldn't be surprised. Even though there's already a champion, champion fight, it is John Jones at the end of the day, and that's just what it is in terms of the star power. But, look, I, I, they're closing out the year strong, so I'm good with it. Kayla, we have so much news. We're not even going to really talk about everything else, but just acknowledge it. You have so much going on. Kevin Lee versus Aya Kinta later this year. The final fight on Fox. Big lightweight fight. Bellator is announcing they're going to do a back-to-back in Hawaii the night before Alima fights Valerie Letourneau. They're having Michael Chandler, Brent Primus, um, Alejandro Lara, who's now fan favorite on. There's so much going on, we can't even discuss it. But, yeah, just letting fans know, it is going to be a big end to the year. There's a lot to get excited about. And it starts with this weekend. It keeps on rolling. Bellator has a back-to-back fight nights. The Heavyweight Grand Prix returns after four months away. Kayla, let's just toss it to you with the first one tonight. Matt Mitrion versus Ryan Bader. What thoughts going into this one and who wins? 
Yeah, I mean, these are intriguing fights because it is for the Grand Prix. And, you know, in the semifinals, the men want to advance. Um, I think that what makes this fight interesting is usually the, the speed, um, uh, usually in the octagon of being just kind of the quicker, lighter guy. And this isn't the case because, you know, Ryan Bader, I guess, in most people's eyes, isn't a natural heavyweight. And he thinks that that's also, you know, he's mentioned that that along with his wrestling is going to be the key factors of why he will get a win over Matt Mitrione, who's a very well-rounded fighter, um, seasoned fighter. He's, you know, has lots of experience. He's a former champion too, I believe, right? Uh, wait, who, Ryan or Matt? Uh, Mitrione? Mitrione, and no, he never claimed the title. Oh, he did. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, and I think, um, so yeah, I think that that's what's going to be interesting is, you know, is Ryan Bader going to be able to use that wrestling to put away Matt? I think, though, um, it it does seem like both are the right mindset. They both seem very driven by this, um, you know, opportunity to to win. Um, and I think Matt, or I'm sorry, Ryan Bader, especially being a current champion, um, just the way he's talking about wanting to be a two-division champ, the way that he's just looked in Bellator, I feel like he's really coming into his own and really in his prime. For me, um, I've been uh, – when I've spoken with Ryan Bader, he talks about his friendship with Matt Mitrion. He said, me and him are cool, and he texts me and he wished me luck and um, said there's no animosity there. It's just we're going to go in there, we're going to throw down, and we're going to be all right afterwards. So it, it's different, but I like it. Um, I'll be honest. I was feeling Ryan Bader for most uh, – you know, since we knew that this was going to be the matchup. I think uh-huh. he's just so refined in his skills and his athletic level with his boxing. Um, that being said, I rewatched the fight with <laughs> Mitrione and Roy Nelson, and I was like, man, I, I think I'm changing my mind. Matt just <laughs> such a diverse attack. He really does mix up punches, kicks. He can use his physicality. He can get on top of you. He can defend on the ground. I think that when you talk about Ryan Bader, he's not a Roy Nelson. He's going to have that advantage to be able to really hold Matt. Matt is so much bigger. He knows to get himself with his back to the fence to get back up. I think that he just has the style and the tools that he's going to give Bader a lot of problems. I think if Ryan is going to get it done, he's going to have to use high volume. But I think Matt isn't going to give him that opportunity. Matt's going to walk him down and he's going to have Punches, kicks, knees, and everything else going at Ryan Bader that I think it's just Ryan isn't going to be able to get enough of the shots he needs to turn the tide. So I'm actually going Matt Mitrione by decision. I think that he's just got the style to take him out. All right. My prediction, even though you make some great points, G, and this is kind of a hard fight to predict in in my eyes, but – I'm going to say Ryan Bader, though. I think he is going to use his his skills uh, with wrestling. I I don't know. I'm predicting a finish. I think it's going to be in the later rounds. Maybe, like, are the Grand Prix five rounds or three? I would say this round is still three, no? Three, yeah, right? Three. Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking, like, 
an early third finish for Ryan Bader. All right. So you think he's just going to flip <laughs> that and then he's just going to have an uppercut or something and puts him out in one shot? I actually see the fight being finished on the ground. I think that he's going to – Um, sorry, I'm literally just going off my gut. Um, I think he's going to get it to the ground and it's going to be finished by ground and pound in the third. Okay. All right. I like it. Look, I mean, he's a tough guy. It, it really is one of those that could go either way. It's a fun one, but um, all right, we're split. You've got Bader. I'm taking Mitrion in this one. Then tomorrow night, it is a very exciting one. Chael Sonnen versus Fedor Emelianenko. Uh, real quick, what did you think about that poster? Chael Sonnen as Apollo Creed and Fedor, they have to portray him as Ivan Drago. What do you think of that? Uh, let me see if I can pull it up really quick. Sure, it's on I, the like, rundown. I briefly saw it, but you pulled it. Oh, okay, it's on here. Let me click the link. Yeah, because I briefly saw it, but I didn't get to really look at it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is having fun, and especially because of what we first discussed, you know, at the top of the show, I could see people saying, okay, well, here you're kind of playing around with stuff. Um, but I think this is all in good fun, especially because of how Chael represents himself. And Fedor, too. He I'm sorry, but it just fits, man. Yeah. Like, I don't even... This is fun. I don't even like to do that to Fedor because in person, he is a really nice guy. He's very stoic, but he is still a nice guy. And I was like, man, you just really did him dirty. But he saw it and he said, like, yes, I've seen Rocky Four. It's complete bullshit. And I was like, okay, we're good. <laughs> I like it. Um, but look, it was in good fun. Today's episode was Nations Collide, if I didn't say that, because... I would love for us to say it's just because Fedor versus Habib and Connor made sure that that's not true. Um, Kayla, this fight really, um, Fedor, like, does he have it in him to just get to that final? I think this favors him because he's going to be about 20 pounds bigger than Chael. He's not, uh, he's very competent on the great explosion and power on the feet. That's all boding well, but Chael Sonnen showed that I think he just uses more tricks. He's got more tricks in the bag. He uses a more comprehensive style of fighting. He's not afraid to box these bigger guys because he knows he's faster and he can hang with them um, in, with high volume. Uh, but I don't know. Um, I want to toss it to you for the first prediction or the first breakdown. What do you think of this one? I really just so we can see Fedor on the ground. You know, like, I feel like the one or two fights he's had in Bellator, we weren't able to see, you know, the scrambling and the work he gets done there. So it'd be so fun to see this fight give us a little bit of both. I think what I really like about Chael is because of his commentary duties, because of how he's um, actively working the desk jobs and fighting and, and, does an outside stuff of putting up that he is I think does a very nice job of breaking down the sport and fights in general um out, even outside of Bellator but I think because of all of that he doesn't want to look silly when it comes down to his fights and I think that he really um is 
taking each fight seriously and really preparing well and putting in the work. And I think he has just such a high fight IQ. But he is going against Fedor, who has a great fight, a high fight IQ as well, and just so much experience. Um, I think both guys, like you said, I think you used the word tricky, or when you describe Chael, I think both of those guys have those tricky, um, you know, shots they can throw to finish each other. And I think there's something about Chael that, you know, maybe he's kind of uh, reeled it in, his excitement to fight Fedor, but I'm sure the little kid in him is probably geeking out that he's going to get to share some time with Fedor, that I wouldn't be surprised if he does want to keep it on the feet a little bit, just so he can watch and play it back of like, hell yeah, I had a moment of trading shots with Fedor on the feet. Um, I don't know, but my gut's telling me that though I think Chael will eventually resort to trying to take Fedor down, I just think Fedor is going to be the slicker, more experienced guy in there to, um, you know, scramble and then get, get Chael in a compromised position. I don't, I, I think you were going there with this. I do think that maybe Chael's conditioning might be better, but I don't know if we're going to get to see it go to all three rounds or five rounds. This, I don't know if this one's going to be five, if it's the main event or not. Um, I think this one's still three. This one's still three. Okay. So, yeah, I, 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 my prediction, I think, is going to be Fedor just being the trickier, slicker fighter of seeing an opening. But I do think that this is going to be a very competitive fight. You know, I, I feel like the thing is, I feel like we've seen Chael fight the way he would need to, especially in that Rampage fight. The thing about Fedor is so often he's actually the smaller heavyweight in there, kind of like we talked about with Matt Mitrion being the more quicker and nimble guy. Um, Fedor, I think that when you talk about how is he going to win, he's got to walk him down, use his physicality, be ready to sprawl and brawl with his size, um, make it difficult for Chael to take him down. He's never really fought that way. He's never really been a come forward and throw a lot of punches, wear you out against the fence kind of fighter. He more looks for that to explode in spurts and catch you with one or two big shots. Or if you're on the ground, really just use his craftiness to really isolate a limb and go for the submission. Um, he doesn't, uh, he's never been a walk down kind of fighter. So that all favors Chael. That being said, Fedor, maybe we've never seen him there because he's never actually been the bigger guy in the many years we've seen him. It's almost never happened. So I think that more than likely, I agree with you. I think that Fedor's going to be able to pull out what he needs to. I think that he doesn't get to where he's been without knowing what to do in this kind of, in this style matchup. So Dale has a lot of tools, a lot of tricks in the bag. But I think that Fedor just has, uh, you know, those important keys to victory that he's going to need to get the job done. So I got Fedor. Um, I think he's going to take it to a decision. I think that Chael's going to defend himself from submissions, but he's not going to be able to mount the offense he needs to get the decision. You think you said that Chael's going to get the decision? No, Fedor. I think oh, that Chael just yeah. doesn't have what he's going to need to get the decision. He's not going to have enough of his moments that he needs to do damage or threaten with submissions against a bigger guy like Fedor. But, I think that I'm seeing a finish by Fedor, but I think in the later rounds after a competitive fight. I think it's going to be a draw. <laughs> <laughs> not on this one. <laughs> just kidding. I'm teasing. 
I had no idea how to react to that last week. I want you to know, I was like, what do I even say? I don't even want to give my pick anymore. <laughs> but um, it's going to be a lot of fun, a stacked weekend. And Kayla, this this is only half of the fights. Um, I will be in PFL, at PFL in Long Beach tomorrow night. Um, they have the lightweight and light heavyweight quarter and semifinals and the winners uh, tomorrow are going to be the ones who move on to Madison Square Garden to fight for the million dollar prize I'm very excited um, also guys uh, they have Combate Americas tomorrow 6th division world champion Amanda Serrano will be fighting Erendira Ordonez I had the pleasure to speak with Amanda um, who is now leaving boxing behind after making his go to focus solely on MMA. We had a great conversation. That's going to be on Cage Side Press. So definitely check it out and check out my channels for all this behind the scenes content. There's going to be a lot of fun stuff coming in the next few days. Um, Kayla, we're just winding. We're getting closer to Halloween, which is your favorite hol holiday. So I know we'll have a lot of fun, scary fight stuff to talk about. And I, I think we had a great segment last year. So I'm Looking forward to revisiting it, but um, yeah, what are your final thoughts as we head into a stacked super weekend of MMA? Yes, but I'm excited. Um, I kind of need a break from UFC, so I'm excited. Of course, uh, followed up with the following weekend, stacking it with uh, these Bellator cards. I'm still trying to figure out if I can make it to PFL tomorrow. I really want to since it's in L.A. Um, and so I can join you for that fun. But, yeah, it's going to be a good weekend either way. If I can't make it, I'm excited to hear what you think of the PFL show live. Uh, well, of course, you know, I will tell you everything and more that you need to know, Miss Kayla. It is great talking to you. It's always great to end the week with our show and just really fans thank you always for listening kayla where can fans find you on social media to talk about these exciting fights they can find me at fangirl underscore mma where can they find you fans follow me all the time at double g on tv just spell out the word double and we'll be back next week